troubling side of the rest of that story? The phone call came in at 1.30 when we were both in bed, and uh, I immediately woke up and heard this conversation that Kim was having on the other uh, phone, or the phone with uh, Jonathan, our other son, who had received a call from Matthew. Jonathan had already come home. They, it was kind of a group of men that went to celebrate with Matthew before his wedding ceremony, and we had spent the day together. I peeled off of the group at about 3 o'clock, came home, and uh, they all went to the beach, and then on the way home from the beach at a reasonable hour, they ended up in a gridlock traffic scenario because of a car accident, automobile accident. They were in a parking lot on the road home for about an hour and a half, and they finally got through. It was way later than they anticipated. Ultimately, <coughs> got a phone call. John got the call and responded to Matt and then uh, drove over there but called his mom and said Matt had been in an accident, but no worries, everybody was fine. Well, I woke up, and I'm like, what was going on? What's going on? Because all I can hear is her side of the conversation. And she said, well, Matthew's been in an accident, and he's okay. The very next second, I was asleep again. <laughs> I'm telling you, when mom says it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> it's quite humbling, but it's true. Anyway, I love my kids, but when mom says they're safe, they're safe, and that's good. Now, you need to know she never went back to sleep. She just, from 1.30 till 3.30 when he came in, then from 3.30 to 4, she was with him, and... Uh, I, like, didn't know anything about it. I got up this morning. I got up at 4.20 this morning, and she had just got into bed, and I didn't know that. I heard her. She was sleeping. I'm like, all right, I'm up. And I went downstairs and did my own thing. I kind of had even forgot that he had, <laughs> that he had been in an accident. And so about 6 o'clock, I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> All's well. Well, moms, moms, we love you. Moms, we need you. And uh, I certainly need you. Church, don't, don't think ill of me because of my poor behavior. <laughs> Father's Day's coming, and I'm sure I'll take my licks. All right. So happy Mother's Day to all of you awesome, awesome moms. Those who mother, you may not be a mom, but if you mother, we want to honor you because the uh, establishment of the heart to mother is something that is in the heart of God, and he has put it in the hearts of men and women, and very specifically today, women. And so, ladies, thank you so very, very much. And to my dear wife, thank you for your awesome, awesome mothering. Uh, it is interesting today that we're in the book of Revelation, and uh, how to find a platform or a verse or a text within the text and in its proper context to come off and have a Mother's Day message. And so uh, I, I want you to, in as much um, stretch as you can with me, uh, in Revelation chapter 17 and 18, where we are, there's only one mention of a woman, and the woman that is mentioned is uh, not a good woman. <laughs> in fact, she represents, if you will, this... Uh, Babylon, it's religious Babylon, it's commercial Babylon, and she's fallen, and she's got all kinds of really, really bad things. It's this woman who rides the scarlet beast, and uh, lots of things are said about her, and she's, her doom is coming. 
So, moms, I just want you to know that's not the text for your Mother's Day message today. But uh, what I am going to say is because we've been introduced in Revelation chapter 13 to this beast out of the sea and then a beast out of the land, the beast out of the sea was the Antichrist or the pseudo-Christ, the instead of Christ or the against Christ, and then a little later in chapter 13, the uh, pseudo-spirit, if you will, or the false prophet. We've seen the exact opposite of God the Son and the exact opposite of God the Spirit. We see in Revelation chapter 17 and 18 this woman that rides the beast. We today want to look at the exact opposite of that woman, and so we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 31 and look at the virtuous woman. So will you turn in your Bibles with me? If you are already in Revelation chapter 18, just flip over a few pages to the left and we'll be in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 31 this morning. We'll be looking at verse 10 uh, all the way through the end of the chapter. Now it is interesting to note that this particular chapter, chapter 31 of Proverbs, is the tail end of this uh, pro- this proverb, if you will, from 10 to 31. It's 22 verses that in its original language is an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. So it begins with Aleph, then Beth, then Gamal, and it goes on through the Hebrew alphabet. And in the homes and in the education of the Hebrews and the Jews, they would have the young men memorize this proverb. This acrostic proverb, they made it easy for them to understand by the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet being the beginning, and they would simply memorize these scriptures. In fact, they would memorize them. Every male child was required or instructed to memorize these verses by the time he was 12 years old. 12 years old. So that in his formidable years, when his quitterpation was beginning, with those of the opposite sex, he would be mindful of what he should be looking for in a future wife. I think in an American culture, it would be absolutely epic if the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, would adopt this as a practice. That our young men would be men that would be seeking out, first that it would be young men living in life that is honoring to the Lord, honoring to their mothers, and that they also, in their pursuit of a future wife, would be looking for and looking forward to these virtuous aspects. So, let's read together today, beginning, I'll read, you follow along, uh, chapter 31, verse 10 through 31. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like a merchant, or she is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. 
She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servant. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hands, her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gate. Father, in the next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, as we consider mothers, this time-treasured role in a marriage, in a family, Father, will you bless all moms, and may every Every son and every daughter that is in this room, this represents all of us. Lord, may we glean from the word of God and be transformed from the inside out. In Jesus' name, and everyone said a strong amen. Amen. Well, I have lots of stories that I could tell about my mom. I have stories that I could certainly tell of my wife, and I may, I may uh, roll into some of those. Uh, today we are looking at uh, this uh, time and life-honoring role of motherhood. And Proverbs 31 is the advice of a mom to her son, uh, a king, and it is instruction really for every mom here and every woman here and truly every man that is in this room. And so we want to look at today three aspects of a virtuous wife, we'll put in parentheses, a virtuous woman, a virtuous mother. Uh, these three aspects will begin first with her personal life. What I'd like to do today as we look at these three areas, I'd like you to internalize this for all moms. Hopefully you will be inspired. Hopefully you will be encouraged. Hopefully you will feel the commendation from the Lord in these things that are already working in your life. If you find that there are parts that are not working to the level or measure that you would like them to be working in your life, this is simply an opportunity to respond to the prompting of the Spirit of God and that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. So thinking about her personal life, the virtuous aspects of her personal management, if you will. The first, I would say, is, and the highest of priorities, is reverencing the Lord. Reverencing the Lord. Putting the Lord in, a, in his proper place, the seat of her life. 
reverencing the Lord. Verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. I'm mindful today of women in the Bible like Sarah. I'm mindful today of women in the Bible like Hannah and uh, several other women in the New Testament, Eunice and Lois, Timothy's mother and grandmother. Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, in the 11th verse says this, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Sarah judged God to be faithful, the one who had promised her in her length of years that she would bear a child. She believed God. She believed God. She reverenced him. She put her faith and certainty of hope in the Lord. And as a result, she received from the Lord, from her faith and her believing. And so she judged him faithful who had promised. Paul writing to Titus. In Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, I'll read these. In reference to women... He speaks to the older women first and says this, The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, and that the word of God may not be blasphemed by their behavior. First, the godly character of older women is brought before us. It's interesting that the Greek word there for reverence, it's used here and here alone. And the Greek word here for reverence is this picture of the priestly behavior, a priestly-like demeanor. That she would have the demeanor that older women, moms, as children are being raised, that they would have that priestly kind of responsibility, and it's a reverence, if you will, to the Lord. And so I think of the priests. What did the priests do? The priests served the nation of Israel in spiritual matters. I'm very, very mindful of my wife and her priestly duty that she has done as a mother. From the time before our children were even conceived, she was praying for our family. When we discovered that she was pregnant with Matthew, she had begun to pray for the child that was being formed in her womb. And I want you to know I prayed for Matthew as well. But I will tell you very honestly, it was not with the same level of diligence and frequency that she did and to this day has. Matthew mentioned his automobile accident last night. And as Kim and I rehearsed this morning, it was interesting, as I went up to bed and they weren't in, I remember saying a word of prayer just on the way up the stairs, God keep them all safe, every car that's coming home from the beach, will you just keep them safe, only to discover not only was my wife praying earnestly from the very onset of the day for all of the activities of the day, I also just this morning discovered that my mother-in-law had been praying very earnestly for them all day long. And so when the call came last night, it was an answer to her prayers that God had kept safe. 
not only her children, but the others that were in that car. Sam Arntz was in that car. Uh, one of our brothers that fellowships right here, my, my nephew, and uh, Mick Gurney was in the car, Matt's future brother-in-law, Mariah's brother. And God kept them safe. And not only did God keep them safe, but God kept the woman who was driving the other vehicle safe. Matthew was traveling 40 miles an hour down McLaughlin when the woman turned and made a left-hand turn right in front of him. That, that, that's an opportunity for devastation. How interesting, too, that the woman that he hit when she was less than a block away from her home, her husband came out, and uh, Matthew discovered that this is a family that we coached uh, his son in basketball. He was on one of our YMCA basketball teams, and so what an opportunity just to see the love of God and his work. And so just that idea of that priestly assignment to pray, to pray, to bring the needs of the family before the Lord. And so we see this certainly as Timothy uh, was instructing uh, women in the church and that Greek word reverence only used here and it, it's that representation, acting as a representative of God for the family. The scripture would remind us that old women are to live like the priests in the presence of the Lord. Like the priests in the presence of the Lord. Now, I could mention Hannah, but I'm going res to reserve mentioning Hannah until this next piece. So under her personal life, there's a reverencing of the Lord. And I will just mention here, also in the New Testament, we're reminded again of Timothy's mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois, and these having a sincere faith. And we see not only that sincere faith in Eunice and Lois, but also Paul says, now I see also Timothy in you. And it's this idea of moms being mentors, moms mentoring their children, raising children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And there is a transference, if you will, of the information, the knowledge, and the wisdom of moms by the children that are being raised up under her. And so, so very thankful for the examples that we have. And also within our fellowship, many excellent examples of moms who have raised their kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I'm so very thankful for the many families that are beginning in our church. We have many marriages. I think connected to our fellowship, we have 12 marriages uh, just this summer alone. And so for all of those new marriages that will someday be new families, what a great opportunity for the moms that have already raised kids to invest in those new moms that are already here and the ones that will be coming. How exciting. So, her personal life, reverencing the Lord, also respecting her covenants. Now, here's, we could see in the text that there were a number of opportunities, certainly with her husband and in the midst of the household. Her husband is one who can be saved because he has trust in his wife. And that's uh, an encouragement for us, uh, us men to not have to be thinking about our wives when they're away or we're away, there's absolute trust and confidence uh, in, in our wives. And so verse 11 and 12 would remind us. And in the household, and this, this idea of keeping covenant, keeping covenant. I am mindful of Hannah. Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 prayed for a son, cried out to the Lord, cried out to the Lord. The scripture says it this way, Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. The cry for a child was so deep 
It was within her heart, and she could not even articulate beyond her voice box the breath until her lips simply moved. Eli, her husband, sees this and says, she must be drunk. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Then they rose early in the morning, it goes on to say, and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. Excuse me, I said her husband, it was Eli the priest, Elkanah, her husband. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. And then the scripture goes on in verse 22, But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. Her commitment and her covenant with God was that if you grant a son, I will give him to you, and he will be raised. And that is the story of Samuel, and it's a powerful story. But when the child was weaned, she brought the child before the Lord. And there she left the child with the priest to serve. And you know the rest of the story. Samuel became the last of the judges of Israel. Or I said Samuel. Uh, her son, the last judge of Israel. So we have an example, if you will, of this amazing commitment to the covenant. Her word is her bond. Her word is her bond. And so the last of the three under her personal life is uh, obsolete word we'll begin with, redoubting of wisdom. Redoubting simply means uh, to bear much wisdom and to reverence the wisdom that one has. And so with tremendous wisdom, uh, we see, and lots of examples again in the scripture. We could look at Deborah for sure in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 4 and 5. We would see Priscilla in the book of Acts. Deborah in Judges chapter 4 and 5. In Deborah's song after the great victory over Sisera, she says, Arose a mother in Israel. Arose a mother. What I love about Deborah's disposition of herself, she did not call herself a judge. She did not call herself a warrior. She called herself by the most honorable role and honorable title that she had. A mother arose in Israel. I like that about Deborah. The Bible goes on to say, now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Here's this woman of God, a mom, a warrior, a prophet. And the children of Israel would bring their issues, their disputes, their troubles, and she would make judgment for them while she sat on the seat. And she, the, the people acknowledged her wisdom and her reverence for the wisdom that God had given. And so I'm just so mindful of that portion of Scripture that says, faithful and wise instruction is upon her lips, out of Proverbs chapter 31. Faithful and wise instruction. And so, the personal life. 
revering the Lord, respecting a covenant, and the redoubting of wisdom. The second aspect that I want to look at this morning in relationship to the virtuous mom is her progenous her life. Now, some of you are going to look that up, and you're going to say, Pastor Dave, that's not a word. And if you use dictionary.com, you will be right. <laughs> but if you go to a thesaurus, you'll discover that it is, and it has to do with her progeny, her children. This is her household living. This is the raising and the rearing of the kids. A virtuous, or the virtuous aspect of her domestic engineering. So, the rearing of children first. Uh, verse 28 says, her children rise and call her blessed. Her children rise and call her blessed. I'm so blessed even today to have Matthew lead in with the story that happened just last night. He blessed his mother. Her children rise and call her blessed. A righteous ensampling. The ensampling of the living before their kids. And here's the nice thing about a family. You know, when we, when we live our lives in this public arena when we're all together, we're only together oftentimes for a short while. It could be an hour, a couple hours, sometimes an all-day thing. But when we go home, we're in that environment where kind of the real comes out. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we have our ideal self, which is the self that we portray in a public setting like this. And then we have kind of our real self over here. Now, I know and you know they should be commiserate with one another. They should be equal, but they're not always equal. Can we just, can we all acknowledge that for a moment? Can we just say, I mean, we, we all, because we are still, we don't always put on the new man. We're still sometimes with the old man clothing, and we work on our reputation. But in a home environment, the real is all there. And the kids take it in. And they're watching it. And how many of us know that kids are very perceptive? Man, they can read it right now. And the nice thing about this virtuous mom, she is a righteous ensampling, you see, because the majority of her real living is in that virtuous type of living. It's that godly living. Now, there are foibles that happen, and the kids get to see that. But they can make judgment and say, no, the majority of my life is in this arena. And therefore, God is ordaining them to forth. And in our reality, I know in my life, my mom here has worked, but won't he? They were not even raised in the fear and the mission of the Lord. My mom never learned that she was very timid in faith in many of her years. Thanks be to God in her latter years, she became on fire for the Lord and talked about the things of the Lord often. But I can simply say to you the things that I remember most about my mom are my perceptions. Because the majority of her life was lived on biblical principle because it, what was, it was what was instilled in her life. And so though she may not talk about Christ, she will, as soon as what she's seen the awesomeness, her, her son, verse 1, being it, you can do all things through Christ. And yet, she simply would say to me, you can do this. You can do this. 
and you're converted. But you would have statements of faith like praying, talk to God. It was not overt, but the idea there, he was positive about the things of God. And so, there was an expiration, this righteousness ended. The textbook. Think about mamas and their mama burrow kind of protection. Don't mess with the cub, because mama's coming. <laughs> and there's plenty of stories that we could reference. Uh, I think of the prayers, the prayers of a mother. I know in our home, not only from the time they were conceived, even beforehand, to the time that they began to endeavor in activity, my wife would pray, and she would pray that Ephesians 6 prayer to put on the full armor of God to the point when our kids were able to pray on their own or would pray together every single morning to put on the armor of God when they began school every single day they would pray and they would actually physically go through this uh, whole motion of putting on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, their feet fitted with the readiness. They had to get on their gospel shoes. They had to pick up the shield of faith. They had to pick up the sword of the spirit. And they would do that every single day. Occasionally, when Kim couldn't drive the kids to school, it was it, it became routine that that was the prayer in the car on the way to school. So they'd be, you know, pulling on their shoes in their little car seats and doing their thing. Occasionally, I'd have to drive them to school. We'd get halfway to school, and they're like, hey, yeah, we need to pray. We need to put on our armor. I'm like, oh, yeah. And so I would then pray with them. And all of that was instilled because of the mom, their mom's prayers and the consistency. And so to this very day, to this day, that prayer is prayed. In fact, Jonathan, he's a guy who, if we don't pray that kind of prayer, he'll even remind, don't forget to put on your armor. And that's just the kind of, I mean, he's already got it and it's rolling. So that's that kind of thing. Moses' mom. Moses' mom was a Levite, and there was a judicial order that went out from the Pharaoh that if a Hebrew woman became pregnant, if it was a male child, the male child was to be cast into the Nile and drowned, and all the female children should live. Moses' mom, she became pregnant and gave birth and hid the child by faith for three months. And when she could no longer hide the child, she got a basket, she wrapped the child, and put the child in the basket as she was hiding in the reeds and pushed the basket out, knowing that Pharaoh's daughter was down at the River Nile washing. She caught the child and rescued the child. And uh, the sister was observing what was transpiring, and so recognizing that Pharaoh's daughter took the child, she went to Pharaoh's daughter and said, would you like me to find one of the Hebrew women to nurse this child? And she said, yes. And so she went right over to the child's mother, and uh, Moses was placed into the arms of his mom to be nursed and raised. A statement of faith, a statement of protection, watching over, not wanting her child to lose its life. She protected and she received her child again to be nursed and loved and raised and weaned and then given back to Pharaoh's daughter. What a powerful story. 
of protection for rearing of children, resourcing her home. We find in the Proverbs 31, there's the resourcing of her home in this progenitor-type life, this life about the family. Many stories that we can look at this morning, Ruth and Naomi. But this morning, I'd like to just be reminded of the prophet, the widowed woman whose husband was one of the sons of the prophet. And in the story we find in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, they were destitute, and she had nothing. But what she did have was a sense of, I need to go and find resource for my family. She had a mothering heart to take care of her family. And here's the beauty. She knew where to go. She went to the prophet. She went to the one who was the representation of God. She leaned on the Lord. She leaned on the Lord. You know the Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. She trusted in the Lord. And she leaned on the Lord. Elisha says to her, what do you have? What do you have? She says, well, I have this jar with some oil. He said, well, you go get vessels, empty vessels, and not just a few. Go to your neighbors. Go to your friends and get empty vessels and bring them into the house and close the door and begin to fill the vessels with oil. And so she and her sons went out and they collected vessels, many, many vessels, large and small. And from the one jar began to pour oil, and every one of those empty vessels were filled until she said, bring me another vessel, and her son said, there are no more. The oil stopped. She went and she told the prophet, and this is what the Word of God says. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your son live on the rest. Live on the rest. She leaned on the Lord for the resourcing of her family. Can I suggest to you today that we put way too much stock, typically, even in the house of God, in our own ability to provide for our families. Our source, our only source, is the Lord. He is your provider. He is my provider. It's not your education. It's not your lack of education. It's not the job that you have and the title that you have. It's not any of those things. It is the Lord. It is the Lord. Remember that always. God can, the God of the universe is the one who spoke into existence the universe. He's, a, he's the one who's able to make something out of nothing. That's God. That's God. He is our source. You remember the story in the New Testament when they needed to pay the temple tax, and Jesus said, well, Peter, go down, to the, go down to the sea, cast your line, pull in the fish, the first fish you pull in, open its mouth, pull out the coin that's in its mouth, and go pay your tax and mine. You wonder when that fish swallowed the coin? When did he get that thing in his mouth? Was it like two days earlier he was or foraging on the bottom of the sea. Foraging, that's not even a word. <laughs> foraging on the bottom of a sea bottom dweller, like a catfish, and scrounging up some mud. 
And in the midst of the mud, there was like a temple tax coin. How awesome that God knows where those are. He know, and he knows where your supply and my supply is from. If you're in need today and you're in want, like this widow who had sons that were not of age to take care of her, she knew where to go. Go to the Lord. Go to the Lord. He will supply. He will provide for your needs and for mine. He will do miraculous things to supply for his children. Okay. And then thirdly, revalorizing the family under this crossing of chaos. Rearing children, resourcing your home, and revalorizing your family. I, the idea of revalorizing is uh, to put things in proper perspective. To put things in order. It's the idea of mom's encouraging, mom's inspiring, mom's exhorting, mom's teaching kids even from their strengths, not necessarily from their weaknesses. How many of us know we should know our weaknesses, but we should not live life from our weaknesses? We want to live our lives from the strengths that God has placed in our lives. And how awesome when moms identify the strengths of their kids and hone those gifts and those skills and release the kids in those giftings. That's the revalorizing. That's the idea of identification and then releasing and strengthening the strength and fortifying it in the areas of weakness. Lots of examples that we could look at. I would again just reference certainly Eunice and Lois Kinsey's mom and uh, grandmother instilling even up to and including slapping her wrist. Slapping her wrist. In the church today, something that you and I have to fight against. Moms, thank you for your valor in establishing that every child is unique in God. That God has fearfully and wonderfully made every child. And to celebrate that uniqueness and encouraging kids don't try and be like so-and-so. You be you, and you be the best you. You be the best you in Jesus. We definitely don't need two Dave Morrises. Someone say amen. I want Matthew to be Matthew. I want Jonathan to be Jonathan. I want Olivia to be Olivia. Believe me, there was a time, and Kim could attest to this, there was a time when I was trying to raise my kids to be just like me. She's like, oh, God. <laughs> I was, and I was blind. Oh, I used to say to Matthew, I know exactly what you're thinking. Because I thought he was just like me. And he would tell his mom later, Dad had no idea what I was thinking because I wasn't thinking anything like that. And she'd tell me later, I'm like, he's just lying. <laughs> but no, I learned so much. The value of being the person that God made our children to be. And moms, revalorizing. And I look at Eunice and Lois and raising Timothy, instilling proper values. Oh, that we would understand value and the value of every life. 
in America where abortion has been legal for way too long, way too long, 4,000 children murdered every single day, 185,000 kids a year. And every one of those in God's eyes valuable. I'm tempted to say something about politics right now. Vote in the primary and vote biblically. Vote biblically. I'm tired of hearing about when candidates have changed their position. I'm tired of all the political rhetoric of the things that I won't do and the things I will never do. I would simply say to you, vote biblically. Life matters. Life wrap this up quick. Maybe. (laughs) For public life. The virtuous aspects of his community service. I'm so very thrilled for the body of Christ that meets at Hillside Christian Fellowship. Because this church is a church that serves in the community, serves their brother and sister, serves those that may never repay may never um, say thank you. Gratitude may not be in the equation. But we serve because we love. And we love because, as Marshall and Leslie would say, because people matter. Our motto, loving God, loving people, and serving others. That's who we are. And we really do embody that. And I'm so very, very thankful. From here in the virtuous woman, again, this public life, we can see reaching out to the poor, verse 20, extending both hands to the needy. We could look at different lives, folks like Dorcas and Lydia, Dorcas who is Tabitha also in the New Testament. In fact, it is said in Acts chapter 9, it says that Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. How often? Good works. And it says she was full of good works. Not just a few. She was full. Full of good works. Charitable deeds. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when they had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing him the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. Here's a woman who made clothing, made blankets, and just simply loved on people. And many of those people were people that were in need. And so we have a great sampling and an example to us. So the reaching out to the poor, the resourcing of others in their need. And I'll just conclude with that verse 31. The virtuous woman, the virtuous man the fruits of her labor, the results. And again, we could 
talk about many, many in the Word of God. Hebrews reminds us that there were women who received their children back from the dead. How powerful is that? As Matthew prayed this morning, there are many moms here today that are praying for their children. They're not dead physically, but they're dead spiritually. And they're praying for their sons and their daughters to come home. I'm encouraged because the Word of God says women of faith or those of faith, they receive their children back from the dead. Those who believed and prayed, we want to encourage everyone here to be believing and praying. Be believing and praying. We are believing and praying with you for prodigals to return home, to return home, that they would love the Lord again, that they would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, that we would be a church that is prodigal friendly, welcoming in the lost and welcoming in those that are destitute because of the devastation of sin, that we would not be judgmental, but that we would learn to be like the Father and have the heart of the Father like so many moms, so many moms just praying and believing God for their kids. Oh, that we would be a church that is that way as well. So, these three thoughts, the personal life, reverencing the Lord, expecting covenant, and redoubting of wisdom, the progenitor life, this idea of each one of us has kind of our call in life, and to be diligent about the call of God in our life. If you're a man here today and you say, well, that doesn't apply to me, I'm not a mother, I just want you to know it applies to you as a father. And whatever you do, whatever you put your hands to, do diligently as unto the Lord, not as unto men. Just like the Scripture inspires the moms to do diligently unto him and as, or to do unto him and not as unto man. And so this morning, uh, I am mindful of Esther. Esther. Esther saw the fruit of her labor. She saw the fruit of her faith. A nation was saved. A nation was saved because of her faith because of her honoring of the Lord, because of all of these attributes of a virtuous mom, a virtuous wife. Put into practice, she received the fruit of her labor. I would submit to you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. We can have confidence that we will reap what we sow. So let us sow these kinds of virtuous attributes into our lives to have diligent and reverence, diligence and reverence for the Lord. So on Mother's Day, 2016, we honor all moms. We thank you for your amazing example. We're praying for you as you continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would see our kids growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That husbands would grow up in the Lord, and every wife said amen. Every wife said amen. Amen. Come on. And uh, that we would, as a fellowship, be strengthened in the Lord. So that being said, I want to invite you to stand with me today. We are all sons and daughters. We all have moms or have had moms. Their influence, yes, but ultimately the influence of God's word in our lives to transform us from the inside out. Maybe there were some examples today of some women that can be an inspiration to you. I trust that they are. 
I would encourage you in each one of those examples, whether Deborah or Esther or Sarah or any of these other women that we reference today, you could go on to blueletterbible.com. You could type in that name, and it will bring up all the scripture references associated with and that you would go there and you would read these stories and that you would ask yourself about the attributes that you could see from the scripture in their lives and simply ask yourself this question. Are those things working in me to the place where God would be abundantly satisfied with me in this area in my life? It's kind of like a homework assignment. How many of us love homework? All right, all, all, all one of me. <laughs> but to study the scripture, it's not homework, it's an opportunity. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to pray in just a moment. I do want to make mention to all the moms here, there are flowers up here. There's four-inch little pots. We simply got one of these. We thank you for what you do, and this is just a simple way of saying uh, we appreciate it's an opportunity for you to plant in your garden or wherever in your kitchen. Put it in a pot in your kitchen and uh, let it grow. Have your husband water it or your kids water it and watch it grow together, and let it be something that you guys can be reminded of regularly about the time-honored role of moms in every family. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this day to celebrate together, moms. Lord, will you go with us this day as we have no evening services tonight, Lord. We are inspired and encouraged to spend time as a family together, honoring moms and honoring you. So, Lord, be glorified. We ask your blessing, and we ask, God, your benediction as we go from this place. We ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord. And everyone said a strong amen. God bless you.